0: You're listening to the Hope Unleashed podcast, where trending topics and hopeful conversations collide. Let's jump right in.
1: Hello everyone, today is Thursday, June 20th, 2019, and this is my first time doing a podcast. My name is Lauren Gedney, I'm 19 years old, and I've lived in Charlotte almost my entire life. I'm a current junior at Wellesley College in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm double majoring in Peace and Justice Studies and Political Science. This summer, I am a research intern at Hope Vibes Inc., a nonprofit working with a large homeless population in Charlotte, North Carolina. They provide hygiene items for many and are in the process of purchasing a mobile shower vehicle that will help hundreds receive warm showers and free laundry service. As a research intern, one of my major projects for the summer was interviewing someone who is homeless or had been homeless in the past, hoping to gain a better understanding of the struggles that many face in the United States. In this podcast, which might become a series, I interviewed a man who I call a friend and someone who has an incredible past. Filled with difficulties, one of which is homelessness.
0: Hey, let's not rock with that headband. Let's headband game. I can't. You sure told game. me that. I got the <laughs> blue. <bloop. laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is Nick. He's 24 years old and is a current college student in North Carolina. Before this interview, I considered Nick to be a friend, meaning through close mutual connections, yet our relationship was almost brand new and I knew almost nothing about his life before college. Our mutual friend, a closer friend to Nick, told him that I was searching for someone to interview and suggested that we have a conversation. (laughs) Nick agreed and while talking to our friend, it was brought up that Nick wanted to tell me a story to help in my project. So I'll begin the first section of this podcast by outlining Nick's story, how he became homeless. The second section will document his time spent while homeless and the struggles that he faced, and finally we'll have a great little discussion section at the very end. Our story begins on the afternoon of June 8th, 2019. Nick and I met once again in an almost empty college dorm that he was staying in for the summer with our close friend in attendance. We sat down in the seemingly abandoned common area and turned off the loud air conditioner next to us. The following audio is a conversation Nick and I had on that rainy evening, and I will say it's a story that I think everyone needs to hear. When Nick and I first sat down, I asked him the basic questions first. When, where, and how he ended up homeless. He proceeded to tell me that he had to live in his car and on the street in Houston, Texas for a total of roughly 10 months in 2011. When he was thrown into this situation, he was only 16 years old, living on the streets by himself. He had nowhere to safely live during this time of almost a year, Yet, it wasn't until 2013 that he finally received stable and reliable housing. He began to explain what had happened to him in the beginning of 2011 that caused this, and it all started when he moved with his aunt to Houston from North Carolina.
0: Uh, Getting away from North Carolina, where my um, people stayed, there was a lot of bad vibes and negativity in the household, where me as a positive person, I ain't got no time for that.
1: For Nick, the move to Houston was supposed to be a fresh start, a way to get away from negative things in North Carolina that his family and friends were involved in. However, he soon discovered that Houston wasn't all that different from his previous life living with his mom, and things took a downward turn after the relocation. His aunt rented a house for them to stay in, but money was short and food was scarce during the week, causing a rift between him and his aunt and cousins.
0: we had like she cooked for herself, or on Sundays we had food, but throughout the week we they had no food, so we had to get our own food by any means. And my cousins, they uh, they did their own thing, so they had ways to get their food. I had to find ways to do what I had to do. It was hard sometimes. Sometimes I probably scavenge off of people, you know, plate. Probably go to the refrigerator, and just eat some food and stuff like that. Mm. You know, drink some drink. They knew it was me because I mean I tell them I don't, I don't care. Or I had like to go to the dumpster sometime, you know. It'd be different, different times, different things.
1: It essentially became an every man for himself situation.
0: All I did was pray to God and keep going, even though it kept happening over and over again.
1: A negative and violent household was created, with his family at the center of the hostility. They provided no support and no care for him, due mostly to health issues and addictions, which he described to be most similar to bipolar disorder. While not specifically saying it, it sounded like his family was getting involved in questionable activities, and as someone who knows Nick, it was something he definitely wasn't okay with. As a result, he had to make a decision.
0: I'll sleep outside in the park.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Or uh sometimes I'll sleep inside of a car. Mm-hmm. Something like that, you know, inside of a parking lot. Like a Walmart. Because uh, because they get mad and then they just tick, you know, go off and you don't know, want to be around all that that anger and violence. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go somewhere and sit and lay you know, lay down, something like that.
1: Nick decided that he would rather live on the streets and surround himself with his own positivity than be part of a questionable and problematic household. And this is what really upsets me. Simply because of his own family's selfishness, a family that could afford to house him, he made a decision to leave and try and survive on his own. For him, anything was better than living in that house, and he had enough respect for himself to leave. This provides a very baseline understanding of what caused Nick's homelessness. Yet, the realities of living on the street are even more harsh. In these next few questions, I begin to understand the trials and tribulations that he had to go through to get basic necessities such as food, water, hygiene items, showers, money, gas, and more. First off, food and water are the most basic things that are required to survive. All others come second. Because of this, my first question for Nick was if he used food banks or homeless shelters to get his food. Almost cutting me off, Nick replied, food banks, food banks many times. But he said that he never used homeless shelters. I knew that this was most likely the case, as Nick had a car, but it left me wondering if there was another reason for his firm answer. In my research on the Charlotte homeless population, Mecklenburg County said in their homeless report for 2018 that almost half of the unsheltered homeless population refused to stay in shelters because of their unsafe and unclean conditions. Maybe that factored into Nick's decision? Not only were food banks often a saving grace, but he would also sometimes sneak back into his house to take food, as he previously stated around time marker 4.30 past this he would often go to the dumpster to find food or if he had enough money he would be able to buy fast food i also made sure to ask nick a question that i feel like a lot of us ask when concerning homelessness i asked him what is better to get from people food or money
0: that's deep can i pick both
1: oh you
0: can't pick both dang but uh, um if i had a choice They're both good. Oh, my God. Probably food. Tell you the truth. Probably food. Why? Because if I can get enough food, I can work and get some money. Mm -hmm. But the food is vital, especially water. Mm -hmm. I consider water as food because it fills up, too. Yeah. Drink a whole lot of water.
1: So if you were curious about the answer to that question, there you have it. Food is better. Yet it's quite obvious that Nick was struggling to answer the question, meaning that there's nothing wrong with giving money to homeless people. People are concerned about the validity when people ask for money, and they're concerned about how it would be used. I asked Nick a question on that as well, and I told him, well, do you think that all of them are legit? Do people con people out of money? And he said, yes, there are definitely people who do that, but I would say the vast majority are just looking to get their next meal. So if you're really concerned about it, you can definitely give food whenever you want. But if you only have money on you, that's good too. As far as hygiene items were concerned, this is where Nick's situation, at least as an outsider looking in, turned pretty bad.
0: Sometimes I would finesse at Walmart just to get those type of stuff. Okay. Uh, I, felt, I found a way to... Uh... yeah. Yeah, make it happen. Okay. I just grind it. Mm-hmm. Just grind it out. Find different ways of getting what I need. Resources. Mm-hmm. I try my best to stay away from illegal ways as much as possible. Because it happens from time to time.
1: Mm-hmm. But Sadly, having to steal things became his way of getting what he needed. And it wasn't all the time, but he told me... Basically, when you have to eat, you have to eat and along with hygiene items, you just need things sometimes. It was really hard for him to come by them naturally. So he was kind of driven to disobeying the law, even if that wasn't what he believed in. Along with hygiene items, he talked with me about how he was able to shower. This came up naturally when discussing what's needed to end chronic homelessness, but I think it was important enough for me to insert as it really shows the lengths that many have to go to to get something as simple as cleaning themselves. He told me options that people have to shower. And when looking back and hearing how quickly he came up with his examples, we can definitely assume that this is what he had to do himself while living on the streets. And honestly, some of them are kind of ingenious, and I wouldn't have thought of them unless I was in that situation myself.
0: Well, I'm a CA. Just get yourself $10. I know you are getting $10 off the street. Get yourself a membership. Go in there and wash yourself up, man. If you can get in there, first off. Or if you can't. To the back of a school, they got a hole. Sometimes, just make that happen. It's a whole shower right there. You know what I'm saying? I'll be jumping pool fences and using their shower.
1: So the next struggle that Nick had while being homeless was. Obviously, a place to live. He told me that yes, he lived in his car, but no one wants to sleep in their car day in and day out. He would park his car in places where he knew no one would tell him to move, usually in a Walmart parking lot or something similar, and that's where he would sleep. This would also happen sometimes during the day or before closing time because there were still a lot of cars in the parking lot from customers and workers. He told me that this made it easier to blend in and thus not be bothered. Sleeping in his car was usually what he did, but he also told me that during this period of a year, he would sometimes be able to stay at friends' houses for a few days.
0: I mean, if I'm with him or something, they give me something to eat. Okay. Or i probably stay over there sometimes. Not too many times. Probably when I party or something, you know. Get a little, a three-day binge over there and then boom. Mm-hmm. On to the next, on, on to the next. But, um, yeah, for the most part. You know, they helped me out with that type of stuff. Okay. Took me out places. Sometimes they'll probably go out to a trip to the beach and right. I'll just tag along because they, okay. f- they like me, you know what I mean? Right. They rock with me.
1: And I was friends?
0: Uh, friends. Yeah, most part friends.
1: Okay. So did they know that you were in this situation?
0: Yeah, they were aware. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: like, yeah. Okay. And you were like, you know, open and trusting and telling them that? Or did they find
0: out? Uh, I mean, half and half.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Finally, Nick began to take on small part-time jobs to stay afloat during that time and to start saving money. These are some of the jobs that he told me he took on.
0: Working at, uh, an office filing place for medical records. I'm working at a warehouse. I'm working at, like, working at Walmart okay. as well. Yeah. Outside, cutting mm-hmm. grass. Okay. Um... Planting plants, watering plants, uh, sometimes even taking care of dogs because okay. I like, I'll stop something and go to another and then as soon as I stop that one go to another, right. stop that one and boom, to another. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ain't no rest, you mm-hmm. know, four hours of sleep and I'm back to it basically.
1: So those are the five things I specifically asked Nick about, eating, getting hygiene items, showering, living and earning money. All of these things are great, and it gives us a better picture of what life is like for him, but what about how he got out of that situation? The answer is pretty short. Essentially, Nick started saving up money from his jobs to eventually put towards running out rooms in people's houses. After about a year of living in his car, he was able to do this, and he told me that he rented out these rooms for roughly 10 more months after his initial one year of homelessness. I'm assuming that after this, Nick gained enough money to share rent at a small place, and the rest is history. So now, seven years later, Nick is attending college, he has a job, and he's taken leaps and bounds financially from where he used to be. While he hasn't stayed or spoken with his family in a while, Those years when he was younger helped to raise him into someone without bias, without hate, and without judgment. He told me that even with everything that happened, he changed for the better, and it taught him to also have a positive outlook even when you seemingly have nothing. At this point in the podcast, you all have heard Nick's story, but I think it's important not only to summarize his experiences, but also discuss them. Nick's story provides an extremely important example as to why treating homeless people with dignity is so incredibly important. Many like to assume immediately that a huge percent of the homeless population is without housing because of their own failures. However, for Nick and thousands of others, he was forced into this situation by the failings of others, the failings of his family, who, to remind you, had stable housing not only has nick escaped this vicious cycle that so many people become stuck in but he has learned to love the progression of his life his downfalls now complete his current success and this is what i think is the most important aspect of listening to post-homeless or currently homeless individuals the stigma around them needs to change yes some are involved or have been involved in drugs or alcohol yes some are ex-convicts and yes some have a low education level yet regardless these are not and never will be valid reasons to treat someone as less than a human being nick's story is one that so many have and one that pulls at the heartstrings to help promote sympathy and proof that not everyone is homeless because of their own failings, and that's great Yet, if someone had indeed ended up in a situation of homelessness because of bad decisions, who says society has a right to treat them horribly? People make mistakes, some more severe than others, yes. But knowing that many ignore others simply because they don't have a bed to sleep in is incredible to me. I would love to be an optimist, and I hope that everyone in the world will one day treat people equally, regardless of their race, gender, sexual identity, and orientation, wealth, or housing situation. But sadly, I know this isn't the case. However, from this podcast, I can only hope that some people's minds have been changed. I hope that some people have learned that it is simply social constructs that teach us to avoid these people. Stigmas teach us to avoid eye contact, avoid listening to them, and avoid greeting them. Because in reality, doing the opposite of all these things is what will turn the world around. Yes, I understand, I'm on a soapbox right now, and I'm being preachy, and I know that this message will not reach everyone. I understand that. But what type of person would I be if I knew that these things were happening in our country and I refused to take action? Nick told me he believed that the way to fix the housing crisis in the United States was through facilities, getting people access to jobs with companies that accept homeless employees, GED classes, and housing programs alike. These things are exactly what places like the Salvation Army Center of Hope and the Urban Ministries Men's Shelter provide for the people that they house. Outside of the shelters, Hope Vibes continues to be a force that is spreading hope in the homeless community around Charlotte as they provide thousands of hygiene products. As residents of Charlotte, North Carolina, we are called to be just another resource that our fellow citizens can lean on to escape their situations so people like 16-year-old Nick don't have to spend a year on the street. Listening to this podcast, you were able to get an inside look at the many struggles that homeless individuals face while on the streets. But you should know, there are so many other things that I didn't discuss with Nick. Many don't have cars to sleep in. They don't have friends to lean on for support. They have no family. They can't get jobs. They live in areas where the weather is increasingly dangerous to their health, and they're constantly attacked and brutalized by others. People like Nick are stranded just miles away from your home. They're real people who deserve real help. While Houston may seem far away, the struggles that Nick faced there are easily transferable to those in Charlotte. According to the point-in-time count in January of 2018, there were 9,268 homeless people in North Carolina. As a major metropolitan area that holds the highest population of any city in the state, Charlotte composes a very large percentage of that number. Listen to Nick's story. Understand a privileged and stable life is not granted to everyone and do something about it. Personally, make a choice to look and greet people sitting on your sidewalks on the way to work. Donate your time and money to organizations like Hope Vibes and Shelters in Charlotte. And most importantly, don't be afraid to start conversations with others who have different life experiences. As a last note, I want to take the time to tell you all that Nick is far from invisible. He told me that he got through this horrible time in his life with three things God, relationships with others in the same situation, and music. In fact, All of the music that you heard in this podcast was produced and created by Nick under his name, Exotic Swisha, and you can find him on SoundCloud and Spotify to listen to some of his music. He told me that this was the most important thing for him when he was homeless, and now he has the opportunity to produce it. And simply by observing him, I can tell you he's loving every minute of it. So be sure to listen to his work and support him. I want to thank Nick for all of the time that he gave me in telling me his story, and I hope that you all gained as much from it as I did. If Nick had an organization like Hope Vibes when he was 16, he wouldn't have had to steal things and he wouldn't have needed to take showers with hoses in the backs of schools. So be sure to look at Hope Vibes' website at www.hopevibes.org and catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the name Hope Vibes CLT. And finally, thank you so much for listening and learning. Signing off, I'm Lauren Gedney.